Paul tells us that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. It's my hope and prayer that we will all see Christ in a way that we never have before tonight, but I cannot make that happen on my own. So I ask that you would pray with me before we begin. Let us pray. Father, we wish to see Christ for who he is. We long to respond in a way that would honor and glorify you. We pray that you, the God of the universe, would meet with us in a special way this evening to prepare our hearts and minds to receive Christ, to worship him, to honor you. May your spirit work in a mighty way. We pray this through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. This past Tuesday, our twin daughters turned five years old, and I had the privilege of taking the day off and spending the day with them. And from the time they woke up in the morning, they kept coming to me over and over again. Daddy, can we open our presents yet? Daddy, can we open our presents now? And finally, towards the middle of the afternoon, I said, okay, you can open your presents now. And they're so excited, and they're grinning from ear to ear. They just can't wait to open their gifts. And so they gather together, and you know, they're twins, so sometimes they get gifts that are similar. And they tear open the first gift, and it's this pretty mint green long sleeve shirt. And they can't wait to put it on, so they throw them on. And of course, later that night, one of them spills this nice red sauce right in the middle, but... That's another story, but they're so excited to get these pretty shirts, and then the next gift, they open it up, and it's this heart-shaped container, and it's filled with all these pretty hair things, pinks and purples and reds and ribbons and all these things. They're so excited, and then the next gift, you can't believe it, it's Polly Pockets, all these little dolls that they can dress up, toys to play with, shoes to put on, purses and homes to put them in and things like this. They are so excited. And then we get to the last gift. It's a gift from my six-year-old son. And he was so disappointed the night before because he wanted to go out and buy them something. But we couldn't go out, so he had to look through his own treasures and pick out one of his own toys to give them. And so he does that. He finally finds one to give them. And he, he takes after his father, and he wraps it beautifully in this old newspaper. And he hands it over to them, their last gift. And they tear it open. And the one daughter holds it in her hands, and she says, it's this big racing car and she says no way I don't want that I'm not keeping that I'm not a boy so we had to have a talk about how we respond when gifts are given especially a gift that is so personal but as I think about that experience I can't help but turn my thoughts towards tomorrow morning Christmas, the celebration of the greatest gift ever given. And I can't help but wonder how many people, and how many people maybe even here tonight, have responded in that way. They open the gift of Christ and they say, no way, I don't want that. I'm not keeping that. I hope that none of us will respond in that way. And tonight I want to look at the proper way to respond to the birth of Christ. But before we can do that, we must first see who Christ is and why he came. Because that makes all the difference in the world as to how we respond 
to the birth of the one we call Christ. This morning we looked at the prophet Isaiah and he foretold Christ to be the wonderful counselor, the almighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. Matthew tells us that Christ is Emmanuel, God with us, that he was born king of the Jews, that he would shepherd God's people, that he was the one that even the winds and the waves obeyed, that he was the Christ, the Messiah, the Lord and Savior, the beloved Son of the living God. The Gospels also explain to us that Jesus Christ, to know Christ is to know God. To see Christ is to see God. To believe in Christ is to believe in God. To receive Him is to receive God. But to hate Christ, to reject Christ, is to hate and reject God Himself. But to honor Christ is to honor God. The Gospels also tell us that Christ is the one who forgives sins, that he is the giver and sustainer of life, that he teaches the truth, that he is the judge of the world. They tell us that Jesus Christ is the heir of all things. This means that every created thing, whether it's material or spiritual, every created thing belongs to him including you and including me. Jesus Christ is the great I Am. He is God Himself in the flesh. John 1 tells us that in the beginning was the Word, Jesus Christ. And the Word was with God, and the Word, Jesus Christ, was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, through Jesus Christ, Everything was made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him, in Christ, was life. And that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And we have beheld His glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Christ is God Himself in the flesh. And yet, He is a child born on Christmas Day. And the question we have to ask ourselves is why did this great God and King, why did the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Master of the universe, the Heir of all things, the Lord of glory, why did He humble Himself and become a tiny, helpless baby? We find the answer to that question throughout the pages of Scripture. Throughout the Gospels, Luke tells us that Christ came to seek and to save the lost. He tells us that Christ came to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free, to set at liberty those who were oppressed, that Christ came to preach the good news of the kingdom. John tells us that Christ did not come to judge or condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He came so that we could have life and have it to the full, so that we might live through him. He came as a light so that no one should remain in darkness. He came to bear witness to the truth. And Matthew tells us that he did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many Paul sums up the very essence of why Christ came in one simple statement. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. 
Why did Christ come? He came to rescue us from darkness, to free us from sin and death, to bring us back to God, to restore what had been lost. He came to make peace between God and man. You see, you must understand that God is justifiably angry at humanity's sin. Every one of us has fallen short of God's glory. We have not lived as He designed. We have all sinned, and we have done so over and over again. And yet, this holy God loves us enough, even though we have rejected Him, even though we have rebelled against Him, He loves us so much that He gave His own Son to be born as a baby, to live on earth, to die on a cross, and to bear sin, your sin and my sin, in His body, suffering the full weight of God's wrath, wrath that was deserved by you and me. Christ Jesus came to pay the penalty of our sin, to restore peace between us and God. Nails, spear would pierce Him through. The cross be born for me, for you. What child is this? This is no ordinary baby. He is God Himself in the flesh. And He took on a body of human flesh so that He could bear in that body the sins of the world. Your sin and my sin. This is why He came. He was born to die, to rise again, so that you and I could live. And so now we must ask ourselves, how do we respond to the birth of Christ, to the life of our God, to the death of our Savior? As we look at Matthew chapter 2, we see at least three different groups of people and their responses to Christ and how we might respond in similar ways. First, we see the response of Herod. Herod said that he wanted to worship Christ, but he was motivated by self-interest. All Herod was concerned about was keeping his throne. He did not want to worship Christ. He wanted to destroy Christ. He wanted to remain king. He opened the gift and he said, no way, I don't want that. I want to be king. And how many of you have responded in the same way? How many of you have rejected the God who loves you and gave Himself for you, who only wants what is best for you because you want to reign on the throne of your life? When we respond in that way, it only leads to eternal death and destruction, the pains of hell forever and misery in this life. And we see that in Herod's life as he went on. He was so consumed with remaining king that he got rid of any threat in his way. He even had his own wife put to death. And a few of his sons. It was said of Herod, better to be his pig than his son. He was so consumed with being king. What a tragic way to respond to the birth of Christ. Well, we could also respond as the chief priests and the teachers of the law responded. See, Herod called them to him. 
He wanted to know where the Christ was to be born. So he called the experts, people who had studied the prophets, people who had been waiting for hundreds of years for the return of Christ. And they came to Herod, and they knew the answer. They said, the prophets have said he'll be born in Bethlehem. But then what did they do? They went on with business as usual. Their silence, their inactivity is overwhelming in the light of what is happening here. There is no record of them going to check it out. The Messiah is being born. All Jerusalem is disturbed by this. And yet, what do they do? They do nothing. Because they do not want to worship Christ. They are not interested. They've seen the gift. They say, no way. I don't want that. I don't need that. I'm good enough on my own. I don't need a Savior. How many of you respond in the same way? How many people in the world respond today in the same way? Of course God will let me into heaven because I've been a good person. And Jesus says, no way. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And the only way that we can obtain that righteousness is through Jesus Christ Himself. Their response was tragic. Their response is one of indifference. As if Jesus does not matter. As if He is a non-factor in their lives. Many of you are here tonight, perhaps the only time you'll be in church all year. And you respond in this way. Christ is a non-factor in your lives. Some of you are here home from college. Maybe you've grown up in this church. Maybe some of you are home visiting family. But now you're off on your own and Christ is a non-factor in your lives as if He does not even exist. And some of you are here every week and yet still Christ is a non-factor in your lives. Oh sure, you're here for an hour or so on Sunday morning, but then the rest of your life you live as if He does not even exist, as if He doesn't matter. What a tragic response. We cannot respond to the birth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, as if He does not matter. As if He's a non-factor in our lives. The only proper way to respond to Christ is to follow the example of the Magi. And they did three things in response to the birth of Christ. The first thing that they did was they saw Christ. They saw the child. And we must make that the aim of our lives, to see Christ for who He really is, to fix our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith, to behold and contemplate His glory. On the pulpit here, there's a little plaque from our dedication service taken from John 12. The people came to His disciples and they said, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Is that the desire of your heart? To see the Lord of glory who came as a baby and lived and died in your place? We must seek Christ. We must seek to see Him for who He really is. When we're able to see Christ for who He really is, it leads naturally to the next response of the Magi. As they bowed down and worshipped Him. 
And as they bowed down and worshipped Christ, they did several things. They worshipped Him by ascribing authority to Christ. They came and said, where is He who is born King of the Jews? They recognized that this was not an ordinary baby. That this child was the Christ, the Messiah, the King of Kings, the King of the Jews, and also their King and our King. He was the God-appointed, anointed ruler who would come and overrule all other rules and who would reign forever. And he has the right to reign in your life and in my life. He is the king. We ascribe authority to him. They also worshipped him by ascribing dignity to Christ as they bowed down in humility before him. They acknowledged their need For a Savior. They bore witness to the truth of who Christ was. You see, bowing down before somebody is what you want, it's what you do when you want to say to somebody, You are high and exalted, and I am low. You are worthy of all praise and dignity, and I am lowly in comparison. They recognized that Christ was divine that He was God, and that they were depraved humanity. And we must do the same. And as they did this, they worshipped Christ with joy. Verse 10 in the ESV version says, when they found Christ, when they found the Messiah, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They were overjoyed at what they have discovered. Because true worship is not just ascribing authority and dignity to Christ. It is doing this joyfully. We worship because we've come to see His beauty and His glory. We've come to understand that there is something about Christ that is so desirable that worshiping Him is overwhelmingly compelling. To worship Him is to fulfill the purpose for which we have been made. This is God's desire and purpose for all mankind, for people everywhere, that they would worship Him. This is His purpose for boys and girls and moms and dads and brothers and sisters and grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles and cousins. It's His purpose for everyone. It's God's purpose for the people in your office at work, for the neighbors who live next to you, for the relatives who are visiting, for the people at your school, for the teammates on your team. God's purpose is that they would worship Christ the King. And His purpose for you, if they do not know Christ, is that you would make Him known to them. And God enables us to do this as our worship of Christ works itself out in our daily lives, which is what happened with the Magi and the last thing they did. Verse 11 tells us, they opened their treasures and presented Him with gifts. Their worship of Christ led them to give sacrificially. It made a difference in what they did with their time. They went on this long journey to search for the Messiah. It made a difference in what they did with their money, their possessions, as they gave Him these costly gifts, gifts that were fit for a king, Gifts that were fit for a king who would give his life and death for them. It made a difference in the way 
that they lived in the direction of their lives, as we're told that they then went home by a different route in obedience to the direction of God, to the command of Christ. The little drummer boy says, I have no gift to bring that's fit to give a king. And we don't, do we? We have nothing to give Christ that is worthy of who He is. And yet, He calls us. He demands of us our very lives. Our all. And we worship Him by giving Him our lives in humble adoration and praise and obedience and service. Sometimes we can be overwhelmed by the need of the fallen world in which we live. And sometimes it can lead us to despair and we can wonder, well, what can I do? But Christ calls us to do what we can with what we have where we are. And we recognize His sovereignty in our lives by placing us where we are with the people around us and the needs that we see. And He calls us to minister to them with the love and the compassion and the mercy of Jesus Christ. You know, the children's choir sang a beautiful song for us tonight. How will we know Him when He comes? And towards the end of that song, they asked the question, what can I give Emmanuel? How can we show Him that we want to do our part? Well, what is our part? Our part, Paul tells us, is that we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. We implore others on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We implore them, see Christ for who He is. Worship Him. Give Him your life. That is why we are here. To implore others on Christ's behalf. This is what the shepherds did in Luke 2. It says, when they had seen Him, when they had seen Him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. It's what the followers of Christ did, Peter and John, when they were imprisoned and they were told not to speak anymore about Christ. And they faced punishment, torture, death. And their response was, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. It is what we do now when we say, do not receive God's grace in vain. In our time of need, He heard us. In our time of help, He saved us. He sent Jesus Christ to rescue us. Now is the time of God's favor. Today is the day of salvation. Respond to Christ. Be reconciled to God. The point of Christmas is not that we have a holiday to celebrate. It is not happy holidays. It is not that we get vacation time to be with family. It's not even to enjoy the giving and getting of gifts. The point of Christmas is that the Almighty God, our Creator and Maker, humbled Himself and became a tiny baby. And He lived a perfect life. And 
He died a sacrificial death in our place. And He rose again so that we could live and spend eternity with Him. So that we could be restored to a relationship with God. The only proper response to the birth of Christ is to see Him for who He is. To worship Him in humble adoration and praise. And to give Him your life. May it be so today. To the glory of our great God and King forever and ever. Amen. Father, we pray that You would work in a mighty way to cause the glory of Christ to be spread throughout this church in this room right now. That Christ would be honored. That Your kingdom would grow. That You would reign in our hearts. And we pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.